0: Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your my God. Today's passage. Um, is once again one of those passages in scripture where we read it and we kind of just shake our head and we're like, really? Like, like really, Abraham? You, you went there? You, you did that again? Like, what? What is going on here? Um, and so if you remember back in chapter 12 of Genesis, um, Abraham and Sarai, uh, which at that point they're called Abram and Sarai, uh, they went to Egypt um, and they kind of played this ruse that uh, Sarai was, was just Abraham's sister. And then Pharaoh takes her into his harem. And there's a whole thing that goes from that and everything, right? Um, well, here we are again in, uh, in chapter 20. And uh, they kind of are going down the, the same path again. And so now it's years later. Uh, Sarah's, you know, she's getting on up there. She's getting close to 100. Um, which makes me wonder, like, what did this lady look like? I mean, she's, she's pushing a hundred and all these guys are like, yeah, come on into my harem. You know, like she must've really been a looker. Um, but, uh, but yeah, let's, let's read what happens here. So Genesis chapter 20 from there, uh, where was there? What just happened? Sodom. Sodom was just smoked from the sky. It's just burned up. I told the worship team, it was kind of interesting that the first song we sang after studying that last week, we were singing, praying for fire to fall um, in the words of the, their first song this morning. But, uh, but yeah, so, so last week we looked at, the, at Sodom. Uh, Abraham has this moment where he's kind of looking over the hill and he sees everything's burned up understandably, he's kind of like, you know, let's move on from here now. I don't really want to stay right next to the big smoke ash pit um, for a while. So, so they move on. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned at Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarai, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister, and she herself say, he is my brother? In the integrity of my heart, in the innocence of my hands, I have done this. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you do- Why have you done this to us? And how have I sinned against you, that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did, what did you see that you did this thing? And Abraham said, I did it because I thought, there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And When God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me. At every place to which we come, say of me, he is my brother." And also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Alright, so like I said, another interesting story for us. Um, again, when we're looking at especially these stories from the Old Testament, it's good to remember uh, that just because the Bible describes what happened, it doesn't mean that it's prescribing that that's what we should do also. Okay, uh, so description does not equal prescription. Um, but yeah, so we see here, Abraham and Sarah, they do this, this same thing. Oh, she's my sister, and this Abimelech guy, is like, come on in. To which God sends him a dream and warns him about it. And I've got four points that I just want us to unpack from this story. The first one is, I want us to think back, what, what did we cover right before we got to Sodom. The angels and God came to Abraham and met with him at his tent on the way to go check out Sodom, right? So this was just, you know, probably a few weeks ago at at the most at this point. And what was the thing that they left Abraham telling him? They left him saying, by this time next year, Sarah is going to have a son, right? And Abraham's all excited. Sarah's laughing because she doesn't even believe it. Um, And this is this whole thing, okay? So then within a few weeks, they're all of a sudden, they've moved to another town and another area. And I don't know about you, but if I am waiting on a promise of God to have a child, I would think there are certain things that I need to do for that to come to, to happen, right? Like if we're going to have a baby a year from now, then that means we need to be doing something now, right? Like, like can we put this math together in our heads? We're, we're grownups here. We can figure this out. We know how this works, okay? And so we're, we're, we would be on this timeline. And yet Abraham, at this moment, he decides, here's what's really good to do. Hey, Sarah, just go go over there with that guy. Go join his harem. And you just look at this and you're like, come on, man. What are you doing, Abraham? And I just want to encourage us to, unlike Abraham here, let us be wise when waiting on God's promises. If we're waiting on God's promises and we're, we're saying like, we believe this is what God wants to do and where he's going and what he's going to have happen, then we should take steps that are in line with that. We should make decisions that are in line with that. We, we should walk in accordance to this is where God is going. This is his plan for us. And so our life should match up with what we we're saying we believe about God's promises. And so we should be wise in these things. We shouldn't go the other way. But the good news is that even when we do mess up, when we do go the other way, God is there. And he can even handle that. And that's what we see in this story. Is that even though Abraham and Sarah are going and doing their own thing again, and then pulling off this little ruse, this little scenario We see that God intervenes before anything could happen to mess up his plan. He intervenes and he he shows up in this dream to Abimelech and, and warns Abimelech. He's like, hey, it's about to go all south for you and your whole family because you've done this. And we can see in this too a bit of ourselves, if we're honest, because, yeah, it's easy to look at it and judge Abraham and Sarah and be like, you guys are so stupid. Like, why are you doing this again, right? But when we put ourselves in, this, in the story, maybe it's not this sin. Maybe it's not lying about she's just my sister. But how often, even if we are people who know God and we believe in him and we believe in his promises, we still fall into the same sin over and over and over again. Because even when we know God and believe his promises, it's easy to fall back into the same sins over and over again. We have an enemy that, that he's seen our weaknesses before and he likes to throw those same ones at us again. He likes to, to see us fall. Um, and so, so while we look at this story and we see Abraham um, lying here and, and this kind of stuff, it's kind of like he's just falling back into the same thing. It's easy for us to judge that, but then if we're honest, if we look at our own lives, even if we're a Christ follower, even if we know Jesus, we know the power of his, his salvation, we know the power of his redemption, it's easy for us to fall back into the same chunk over and over and over again. That doesn't mean we're supposed to, but it's true. It's something that, that can happen. And we see this in the New Testament um, with uh, the Apostle Paul really deals a lot with this. Um, but in the book of Romans, <clears throat> excuse me, in Romans uh, chapter seven, starting in verse 15, Paul's given a little bit of his testimony, a little bit of his story. And he says this, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. What's he saying? There's some sin that he keeps falling back into. He's falling back into the thing that he hates. As, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, the things in our lives that cause Jesus to have to go to the cross, to have to be nailed to the cross, that cause him to lay down his life, we hate those things. And yet Paul's saying here, he's like, hey, I still do them. The very thing I hate is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Just just come to Christ and then you never have to struggle with sin again. You never have to wrestle with temptations again. Well, that's okay. Well, Paul was out. Because <laughs> he's, he's being straight up and honest here. And he's like, look, like, yeah, I still struggle with things of my flesh that I do not want. That I do not want to be there. But the good news is, is he, he keeps going through, through chapter 7. I'm going to skip over some uh, just for the sake of time and get to, ver- to chapter 8. Where he comes to this conclusion. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And so what he's telling us here is even though we might fall back into those things again, even though we might still wrestle with those things, even though we might still struggle with those things, even though we might still get things wrong, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because we are in Christ He has covered us. He has washed us. He has made us clean. He has taken our filthy rags. He's nailed them to that cross. He's taken care of it. And he's clothed us in his righteousness. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't look at us and see our sin. He doesn't see the things of my flesh that I still wrestle with. But instead, he sees the perfect purity of Jesus Christ clothing me and covering me. So there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But secondly there, there's another very important thing that he says. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means if you have come to to faith in Christ and you have, have received his Holy Spirit, then that means that you are set free from those things that you struggle with. If you continue to struggle with those things, know that you have freedom in that. Christ paid the price to set you free from it. You don't have to fall back into that over and over again. There is freedom. There's a way, there's a path um, out of those things where you don't have to continue to wrestle and struggle with the same thing over and over and over again. Because what Christ did wasn't just uh, pay the price to redeem us, to cover us, to cover those things up. But But beyond that, he paid the price that frees us from those things. Without Christ, we're slaves to sin, is what scripture tells us. But when we come to Christ, we become slaves to righteousness. Meaning that we're now set free from that life and that bondage of sin to be able to live for him in the way that he wants us to live. In a way that brings him glory and honor. A way that mimics and, and shows the life that he lived for us. And so if you, if you struggle with this, another great verse is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We'll throw it up on the screen. It says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So scripture doesn't tell us, hey, follow Christ and you won't be tempted. But it does tell us, hey, follow Christ. And when you're tempted, there's a way out that you don't have to fall into those things over and over and over again. And so, so don't, uh, my encouragement to us here is let's not be like Abraham, okay? Let's not fall back into these same things over and over and over again, even though it's so easy to do, and if we're honest, it's a reality. But the good news in all of it is what we see in this story, especially here in Genesis, is the fact that God is merciful. God is merciful, We look at this story and he shows mercy here. He shows mercy to Abraham. He shows mercy to Sarah. He shows uh, mercy to Abimelech. He shows mercy to Abimelech's family, right? He shows up uh, for Abimelech and gives him this dream and warns him and tells him like, hey, here's what's really going on. You need to know this. And God shows him this mercy here. If we're, we're honest we can look at this story and we can kind of question God a little bit. Because sh- the, the warning to Abimelech is Abimelech's about to be punished. And if you actually read the story, it seems like the one guy that hasn't done anything wrong is Abimelech. Right? Like, he, they say, hey, here's my sister. Okay, come on. Right? Like, that's what he did. Whereas Abraham's obviously lying. Sarah's carrying on the lie with him. They're they're deceiving. They're misleading. They're doing all of this stuff. And yet Abimelech's the one that's going to be punished for it. And we can look at this and we can say, I don't don't know about that God. I don't know about a God that, that works that way. But here's the deal with that. First, we can learn a very important lesson about our sin. Our sin does not just affect us. It affects others as well. And the sins of others affect us. So if you think that your sin is happening in a silo and it's only affecting you and it's not affecting anyone else, you're wrong. So we can learn that lesson here. But we also can learn a very important lesson that is wrestled with throughout Scripture. And again, I'm going to go to Paul in Romans in, uh, in Romans chapter 9 there he's kind of wrestling with this topic of, of why, does, why does God save some people and not other people um, or we can apply that to Genesis 20 why, why is God going to judge Abimelech and not Abraham why is Abimelech the one that's going to be punished and not Abraham um, and Paul picks up this argument in chapter 9 and verse 14 what shall we say then so that he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You, you will say to me then, well, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Potter's House, listen to this one. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? And so the, the conclusion that Paul is coming to in this whole argument of is, is God just, is he fair, is basically the, the conclusion that Job gets at the end of his book um, after he's done all of this wrestling with God of who are you to question me? Who are you to question God? God. God is who he is, and he's going to do what he's going to do. And that might sound harsh, that might sound distant, um, but in reality, that's the most loving thing because God is love. And he's so much wiser, so much smarter, so far beyond us that for us in our finite minds to question in him in his infiniteness is just kind of silly. And so we see here in this story in, in Genesis that, yes, God was going to punish Abimelech and all this, but the reality is of God's attributes of his mercy came into play. And he looked at the situation and he said, well, Abimelech hasn't really done anything wrong yet, so I'm going to stop him from doing something wrong. I'm going to show my mercy here. I'm going to come to him in a dream and I'm going to reveal these things to him. And so we see here um, that God is merciful. And for that, we can be thankful. Because if it weren't for his mercy, then we all would get what we deserve. And that's not good. That's punishment. That's being seen for me and the things that I do in my flesh. But because God is merciful, he sent Jesus to take the place for me so that I could be redeemed, so that I could be made whole, so that I could be made right with him. And that is the good news. That is the great thing of God's mercy. And he's showing that characteristic of himself here in Genesis 20, where he's given Abimelech this this dream. But if you notice something here, um, even God's mercy kind of in this story, seems connected with and contingent on Abraham's prayer. I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago in a sermon about the, the fact that, that God hears our prayers. Our, our prayers affect his plans. Um, he works through our prayers and that kind of thing. And we see that once again here. From the very start... Um, when he's in the dream, he says, Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, you know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. And then what happened? Down in verse 17. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and he also healed his wife and female slaves, so they bore him children. So again, we see here that even though God's plan through this story, was to spare Abimelech. That seems to be clear. His plan was to show his mercy. His plan was to get Sarah back with Abraham so that they have a kid together, not Sarah and Abimelech have a kid together. And that's all part of God's plan. But even part of his plan was contingent on, part of his plan was Abraham praying for Abimelech. That those things were tied together. Because you see, God does act. He acts in response to prayer. God acts in response to prayer. I mean, it's, it's, it's all through Scripture. And so I want to challenge us today that maybe what is there that's a part of God's plan, that also a part of his plan is for us to be praying for it so that he can answer that, answer that prayer. And so what is there that, that maybe we're hesitant to, to even pray about? But yet, God would be happy and willing to answer that prayer if we'll just lift it up before him. We don't need to hold these things back. He's a God that can handle these things. I'll tell you one, for our church life right now, the the elders have uh, been talking. And like in our our last elders meeting, we're just being honest. and We're assessing kind of the rate our church is growing, which we're praising God for and we're thanking him for. But we're also looking at realities of if we keep growing at this rate, how long can we stay in this building? Um, you know, and, and how long is this the right space for us? And that kind of thing, right? And these are, are real, real questions for us and real things to, to sort through. And we're, we're asking questions like, well, realistically, like what, what financially would we be able to do? Or what could we look at? Or, or, or this, that, or the other? And I want to ask you as the church... To maybe put this on your list of maybe we need to be praying for God, what do you want? What do you want to give us so that we can use it for building up your kingdom? So that we can use it for helping people be shaped by you to be followers of Jesus. I think that's a prayer as a church we need to be praying um, for. What, what does God have, have next for us? Is it something here? Is it remodeling this place? Is it somewhere else? Is, what, what is it? Because we, we don't want to miss out on what God wants. We don't want to miss out on what he, he could do simply because we're not asking him to do it. And I'm not saying that in a way to put limitations on God because he's God and he can do whatever he wants to But I think part of the way that he works is shaping us and molding us through our prayers. uh, By when we pray these things, we get to see even bigger how big he is and and how he answers in these things. And so I just ask you as a church to join with us um, as the elders in praying over this. Of what is it that you want, Lord? Where where do you want us as a church? How do we best serve you? How do we best advance your kingdom? Because this church isn't about this building. This church isn't about a building at all. It's about building up his kingdom and building up his people through his gospel. And that's what we want to see happen. We want to continue to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus. And if that requires a different space, more space, then all glory to God. I fully believe he's already got something in plans that he's going to work out for us. But I think it's something we need to be talking to him about. I think it's something we need to be asking him for. So that's one application of this. But what's, what's another one for you? What's a personal one for your life that maybe you think it's something that's too big to even pray about, something too big to even ask him about? Or you've already written it off as just hopeless. I would encourage you, you can, you can talk to him about that. You can ask him about those things. And part of his answer might be, that his plan all along was for you to pray that prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us. We thank you for how real it is. Um, with showing us even the good, bad, and the ugly. of People like Abraham and times when they messed up. And that gives us great comfort in the fact that we still mess up. But Lord, we, we hate those areas where we mess up. We hate that sin. And we want to strive for you. We want to see your name built up, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing here at Potter's. I thank you for uh, the church that you're growing, the people that you're growing. I thank you for the love and the the spirit we have within our congregation right now, and just the care we have for one another. And God, I just pray that you continue to grow that and increase that. But Lord, along with that, I, I just ask you to give us what we need logistically and physically. Um, to be able to see that continue, um, to see that reach more and more people. Lord, we want to see more and more people coming to faith in you. We want to see more and more baptisms. We want to see your kingdom being built up. We want to see more and more going out from this church on missions. Lord, we thank you for what Emily was able to do and the fact that she's got an opportunity already to go back to Africa again. And Lord, I just pray that as she goes, she, she takes our mission as a church of helping people be shaped by you to be followers of Jesus. And she does that there. And Lord, I pray that for each of us in our daily lives and our daily walks with you, that we will be impacting others for you and for your kingdom. And so God, if we need a different space To better accommodate that in the future lord i just pray that you open those doors and you pave that way for us as only you can and i pray all of this in christ's holy name amen thanks for tuning in to today's episode feel free to subscribe to our podcast leave us a review and share with others If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day.